this is the Commercial Property Show Australia. Show number 57. A lot of people would say, oh, Coles and Woolworths don't want to be there, so why would I want to be there? But then when you look at it like a supply and demand and potential of market share, it's actually way less risk because he's the only operator. So he's got monopoly on the market. Hey, commercial property community. Thank you so much for joining me once again today. My name is Andrew B and I'm your host. And I have a really exciting announcement for you today, just before we get into the show. So over the last few months, I've been doing a complete rebrand on my consultancy business. So I used to focus on only doing value add strategy plans for investors. But now I'm happy to say that I've added in so many extra services, all of the services that you guys, the investors, have been asking if I can do. And I've been saying, no, I don't do that. But now I've made the move to be able to provide those services and help you guys, the investors, with your deals. So I can now announce the website and everything is ready to go. It basically revolves around obviously commercial property, helping you guys, the investors, and it gives you the opportunity to be able to get really solid advice on your deals, helping you with market locations, all kinds of stuff, crunching the numbers. I can even help you with due diligence, just making sure that you get everything right. Because some people don't want to spend an arm and a leg getting it done by a buyer's agent. So this gives you the opportunity to get that really solid advice that you've been craving for and you know you need with commercial property without breaking the bank. So I'm really excited to bring this to you guys. If you want to check it out, you can go to www.andrewbean.com dot com dot au i'm really excited to start working with more of you guys because people have been asking me for so long so now i've finally got my act together and i'm ready to help the community all right enough said let's get to the show in today's show we have hayden west a very very active man on facebook so today he's actually talking about his personal investments what he's actually done in the past. He's basically an investor on fire. He's doing really well. He starts with his journey on how he invested in syndicates to start up and really got his confidence going. And then he's actually moved into purchasing his own commercial property and it's in a regional town and it's a supermarket. So he's told us about how he's assessed the actual property, the supply and demand, how he's deemed it to be a lot lower risk in terms of commercial property for him and his family. And it's a really awesome chat just going through the the frameworks of how he's understood this deal. So it's a really fun chat. I hope you like it. But first, if you guys are struggling to run the numbers on commercial property or worried about, you know, is this deal going to stack up because of rising interest rates and inflation or, you know, you're trying to figure out how much value you can add to your commercial property, I've created a free resource on my new website at www.andrewbean.com.au. It's the free DIY cash flow kit, totally free 
comes with three spreadsheets to give you the ability to be able to run the numbers on commercial property easily without any mistakes. I also created the inflation risk analyzer. So you put in all of your details of your investment and it will show you how high your interest rates will have to go up for you to be underwater. Trust me, this is something that you need to be double checking before you invest in a property. So this gives you the insight to be able to check how high interest rates can go before you would actually be underwater and it will be a negatively geared investment, which is not what we wanna be doing in commercial property. The last spreadsheet is a value add calculator. This gives you the opportunity to be able to calculate how much increased equity you can have on the property by forcing value, by forcing income onto the property. This is a really cool spreadsheet because it gives you exactly to the dollar how much extra value you can add to the property. I designed these free spreadsheets to be really, really easy for everyone to be able to use. And it's my gift to you guys for being such awesome listeners and making this show so huge. So go to www.andrewbean.com.au. Download the free DIY cash flow kit today and start running numbers on commercial property like a pro. All right, let's get to the show. My next guest is a buyer's agent and long-term property investor. It's Hayden West. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. And yourself? I'm fantastic, buddy. Thanks for joining me on the show. Not a problem, mate. Pleasure to be here. So, mate, today I just wanted to have a quick chat with you, basically about your whole property journey, what you do as a buyer's agent, negotiating deals and things like that. So, I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about your background first up. Yeah, mate, for sure. So, born and bred in Victoria originally and then... We moved up to Queensland to the Moreton Bay region. I've been up here for about 20 years now, did schooling and everything up here, and then basically got into an apprenticeship as a carpenter, worked as a carpenter for about 15 years, built a, a little business, carpentry and painting and building. That's still going today in the background, sort of just ticking along nicely. And then, yeah, mate, found a love for property investing when I was in my early 20s and sort of kept going from there. Yeah, awesome, mate. So with in terms of the carpentry business, do you uh, actually do any of the work on your own properties? Very little, actually, surprisingly. I know a lot of people would say that you should be out there renovating or whatever if you've got the skills, but I still find it a lot of hard work, to be honest. I don't like my investing to be a lot of hard work, so uh, try try not to mix them. Yeah, that's awesome. So with the carpentry business, do you just have employees that actually do the jobs and what you just like quote the jobs or something or? Yeah, I mainly just price price jobs now. Got a couple of staff that we like and the wife sort of runs the family office and does all the scheduling and the bookings and everything for me. So works in pretty well. Awesome, mate. So tell me about your buyer's agency. Like you have a buyer's agency aspect to, um, you know, your income as well. Yeah, for sure. It started as something I was just helping friends family buy a couple of properties after they'd seen what we were up to and then I got talking to a lot of people in the property space other buyers agents and I started actually doing a a fair bit for them a bit of sourcing and things like that negotiating on the deals and then I thought doing all this work for everyone and should set up a little company and give it a go for myself yeah awesome mate so you just like subcontracting kind of for the other buyers agency when they have a deal that needs to be found or a deal needs to be negotiated 
Yeah, we basically just work out a, a split for the commissions and it's very similar to selling agents when they get together and do a deal together, mate. They sort of just split the comms, so very similar sort of setup. Yeah, cool. And is that in residential or commercial space? It's largely residential. I mean, that's where we started with our investing career, I think, as most people do. But I do like the idea of doing something in the commercial space, but probably not so much a buyer's agency for commercial. Might have some other little things on the in the works on the sideline for myself. So I won't really talk about it too much just yet. Okay, awesome. <laughs> so talking about the, how you started your property journey, can you just take me through that? Yeah, so... Mum and dad have always sort of been into property and investing when we were growing up, but I never really understood it. I didn't understand why. I just wanted heaps of money. As you do when you're a kid, you just think being rich is about having lots of money in the bank so you can do whatever you want. And then as the teenage years went through, I sort of got to understand more about what they were doing, finding the deals and things like that that they were putting together for themselves. And I just found it really interesting. And when we were sort of 21, my wife and I bought our first place, principal place of residence. And really kicked it off from there, mate. Just paid down pretty hard and used the equity to go again and buy another little house. Yeah, awesome. So have, do you still own the first place that you bought? I don't. We sold that. We bought that one and I think it was two other investment properties at the time. And then we wanted to move. We did want to keep it, but we were building a, a house and the bank wouldn't lend us the money if we kept our first house. So we had to sort of sell that one to be able to move into a much bigger house and a much nicer part of the suburb. Really good block of land, three quarters of an acre. So it was disappointing we had to sell it. It was just one of those things, mate. I wouldn't change it, but I also probably don't want to sell anything that I own now moving forward. Yeah, fair enough. It's annoying when the bank puts you in that position, isn't it? But sometimes <laughs> it has to be done. <laughs> yeah, whereas now we're in a good home, in a good spot. If we can't do anything else straight away, it doesn't really worry me too much now. We can just sort of hang on to whatever we've got and wait it out, mate, and let the growth do its thing and pay down some debt and take the cash flow and just be a bit patient with it. Yeah, awesome. So, I mean, in terms of commercial purchases, what was your first commercial purchase? My first commercial purchase was probably a bit different to most people. We did some syndicate purchases with a group that we know. So I think we got involved in about four syndicates. The first one was a little regional shopping center and we put a really small amount in 50 grand or something just to get into the space. And it was a really good learning experience as well because we obviously got to check out all the due diligence and everything that was been done on this $8 million asset. From that sort of learning perspective, it was really good. You just basically get all the boxes that you need to tick given to you and say, this is why we like it. Moving forward for me, I already have the due diligence pack that I need to tick off straight away. So, <laughs> Oh, awesome. I guess that was that 50K was almost an education for you. Yeah, absolutely. It pays monthly returns and it's obviously leapfrogged us into some some other ones. And now we've just recently closed on our own commercial property. Yeah, fantastic. We'll talk about that one a little bit later. So with this syndicates, you obviously still own the original units that you bought in that unit trust? Yeah, for sure. They're still ticking along, mate. They like to do a bit of development and stuff on them. So there's always some plans around expansion and things like that on the centers as well. And what year was this that you put the money in for those ones? Good question, mate. It would have been around 2018, probably right when APRA was pretty hard on lending. Yes, the, the lending that's squeeze. Pretty, that's pretty much what pushed me into them was because I had some cash sitting around that I obviously couldn't get lending on a residential property, but yep. I didn't want to just have cash sitting in the bank. 
So we were looking around, how can we get into something that's going to grow? How can we get into something that's going to pay a dividend? Yeah, and we found these syndicates, mate. Works out really well. Yeah, well, it's the common story now, now, isn't it, that in an inflationary environment, your cash is trash, you know, (laughs) with with everything going up the way it is. So if you're holding a large amount of cash, it's just losing value every single day. What was the actual return on face value that they were giving to you on the units? I think they pay through about 7% on that one, net, I should say as well. Net, obviously, it's commercial. So when you couldn't do much in terms of lending and had money in an offset account or whatever, and it was offsetting at 4%, still made sense to go and push it somewhere else. Yeah, awesome. And so with the returns on that, have they stepped up over time or are they still the same? And was that 7% based on the unit cost per unit or is it the overall purchase price of the asset? They pay through 7% of units, but in terms of have they put the dividends up at the moment? No, because they're leasing a lot of shops and they're revamping the centre as well. So they bought the centre on about an 8.5% yield and pay through 7 and retain about one5 to do further expansion and works. Excellent, mate. And so did you use it three other syndicates that you invested in? Yeah. Hard for me to actually recall what we bought in them, mate, because a couple of them, they've got <laughs> quite a few assets. Some of them have got four or five assets in them spread out across Queensland. A bit of industrial and a bit of shopping centres and things like that. Some vacant land next to a, cool. an industrial centre that they're developing as well at the moment. Yeah, awesome. So you're fairly diverse. And was it the same syndicator that you went with or did you find a, a few different sponsors? No, no, it's the same syndicate operators there. We've got to know them pretty well over the years. So as much as it is about making the money, mate, it's about a bit of fun and you're doing stuff with good people and good families. So, Hey team, I'm not really big at asking for this kind of stuff and I haven't done it much in the past, but... If you are a return listener to this podcast and this content has helped you out in any way, it would be absolutely amazing if you could leave me a quick rating and review. It only takes a minute and it helps me out heaps. It's a super small ask and it would make me love you long time. All right, back to the show. In terms of the market at the moment, what's your real like take on on the current market conditions? What's your views? I think there's some stuff that's probably overcooked a little bit. Probably some of the industrial sheds sub 1 million mark got a pretty big hammering over the last couple of years. I think a lot of people were just chasing a yield because it was just non-existent, right? You couldn't get it at a bank. You can't get it in residential. And if you have a million dollars that you can put to work and you're a mum and dad investor, commercial property was pretty attractive, paying somewhere around 5.5% yield net. That's better than zero at the bank. Do I think they're going to stay at that sort of prices? Probably not. I think they'll pull back, especially when interest rates are going up. This doesn't really make sense now. To do a business transaction, if you're paying five, five and a half for your interest rate, paying that kind of money to then go out and buy a million dollar asset and actually generate no income, I don't think it's going to make a lot of sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense at all, does it, in a commercial standpoint? Yeah, but, you know, there's some stuff, mate, that's still good. We're still seeing shopping centres in regional places. If you can buy them before they go to an auction, especially, you'll do pretty well. Once they get to an auction campaign, pretty may as well forget it because we just saw one the other day in regional Victoria, sold on like a 4.9% yield, which is pretty crazy. Two million bucks for a supermarket doing 98 grand a year rent. Yeah, I mean, the only reason that would actually make sense if there was a huge value add strategy 
and mm. you're going to be doubling the net income in the next couple of years to really yep. make sense. Like there's money left on the table and you can see that. So it doesn't matter what yield you buy it at because yep. you're going to be doubling it anyway. But if it's that's just right. a, lo- a long-term buy and hold, does not make sense at all. And that's what it is, mate. That particular one was on like 1,100 square metres and the shop's 580 metres or something. So by the time you take your car park, your loading bay, things like that into account, the site's maxed. That's what you get. And this, the shop's already been rebuilt 20 years ago into tilt panel and stuff. So there's literally nothing you need to do to it, nothing you can do to it. Fair enough. I mean, going back to the million under million dollar warehouses, they have really taken a really sharp yield in the last two years because every single person can afford that pretty much. I'm still seeing sub million dollar warehouses, even touching under 5% asking price. Yeah. Yep. So it's still I, a bit silly. I've seen people <laughs> buying them 800,000 and things like that for four and a half percent yields and they're just it's just mental to me the tilt ups in strata titled complexes yeah that's right right now you need to be investing with a really strong yield just to take care of the inflation risk that's happening right now with the interest yeah. rates going up it's actually hard to do you've got to really look at what you're doing and understand what you're doing because when inflation's running at call it seven percent and interest rates are rising, it is a difficult thing to do to make sure you retain your capital and also have a cash buffer there to be able to hold on to the assets long term. Yeah, with the self-story facility that I'm putting together right now, I'm constantly increasing cash flows over the next you know, seven years. So it's a very, very good hedge against interest rates or inflation going up because self-storage in its nature is a month-to-month lease. If inflation goes up, well, guess what? Next month, it can raise the rates. I'm not locked into any long-term leases. You've also um, been pretty vocal on a few uh, transactions, particularly KFC transactions, going for what? <laughs> and that's I think that's what I like about you the most. You're quite active and vocal on social media about bullshit in the market. There's been a couple of KFCs that have gone, what, is it sub three or around 3%? Yeah, and there, there was a Red Rooster the other day that sold. Red for, Rooster, that's the one. Oh, uh, yeah. There was something stupid, mate. It was like 3.8 or something for a Red Rooster, which is just absolutely mental to me. I cannot understand it. But there's a lot of wealthy people out there, mate, with a lot of cash to put to work, and maybe they have the millions just sitting in the bank burning a hole in their pocket or something, mate. Yeah, that's right. Awesome, mate. So I'm guessing that after I've just been speaking to you a little while, you're still a buyer in this market. Would that be correct? Yeah, I am, mate, for sure. We've been doing a bit of lease negotiation on that place that we've just purchased. So that's been taking up a little bit of time before we can really do anything else with the banks. But um literally been in contact with the broker a week or two ago, reassessing the position we're in and seeing what we can do and borrowing amounts and things like that. Once we get everything nailed down, mate, we'll be pretty active again, I'd say. Awesome, mate. So let's talk about that commercial purchase. So what was it and where was it? So it's a regional town in Queensland. It's about 40 minutes from Toowoomba and it was a food works. So it's the only shopping centre in town for people's groceries and things like that. I think it was 1.8 mil we paid. It was leased for 121,000 net. So about a 6.75% yield. Today actually had the new lease sign from the tenant, mate. We've just dragged the lease out because when we bought it, it had 2.6 years remaining on the lease. He had some options there and things, but we just renegotiated a 12-year lease with 20 years of options. Yeah, wow. So you've literally just created value there by just firming up the lease. Yeah, that was the aim because it's a small country town. People need to shop. People need to eat. They're not going to drive 
40, 45 minutes each way to Woomba to grab the groceries. He's yep. trading really well. The rent's really affordable for him comparatively to other places. And we kept it like that in the new lease. We could have probably pushed for a, a rental income increase, but we want to keep him there long term and make sure his business is viable. And firming up the lease, mate, I think it's probably going to add a couple of hundred grand in, in value with a flick of a pen pretty much. So it should be a pretty good deal all around. So the Foodworks, is that just a, a single tenant or is it like a neighbourhood shopping centre with other tenancies as well? Just single tenant, mate. Just the one tenant in there. The next one, maybe I'll get a little supermarket with a couple of other tenancies, but just the one Foodworks for now. Awesome. And so this particular Foodworks, when you're actually looking at the lease or putting together the lease, it's pretty common with shopping centres, particularly supermarkets that you'd look at their revenue and it sounds like you actually knew what his revenue was for his business. And then they do a, yep. a profit, a percentage of the revenue is the rent. Is that what was actually how it was set up at the start? Yeah, kind of. You can't charge anymore. There's no turnover rent in this clause, which sort of comes into play a bit. You've got a base rent plus turnover. This is just a straight net lease. It works out that it's about two and a half percent of his turnover to the rent, oh, okay. which is yeah. piece of cake. And that's what you want for a supermarket. I don't think it should be any higher than three. If okay. you can keep under 3% to two and a half, and two and a half is probably the low range on that for sure. And we know it, but again, we want to make sure he's profitable and he's going to hang around because we don't want to have to try and release a country town supermarket. Yeah, that's right. I mean, so being a supermarket, it must be a pretty big space. 625 square meters plus a loading bay that they don't sort of include so yeah it's probably 700 square meters of shop all yeah up. wow yeah awesome so i guess realistically if you ever were to lose that tenant then you could look at like an iga that you know, would be our next go-to because iga are usually one of the brands that are usually in more of a regional town than your coles or your woolworths aren't they for sure it's not big enough for a Coles or a Woolies or an Aldi, they wouldn't even entertain the idea of coming to the town, which is what we like about it. His business is going to have next to no competition except like the local butcher or whatever. And to be honest, they've got a really good little community there where he doesn't sell a lot of packaged meat and things like that because the butcher needs to feed the family too. They all sort of keep to their own lane a bit now and, and everyone sort of works in harmony down there. It's pretty cool to see. It's like going back in time. Yeah, wow. I guess so. Look, there's different ways to look at that. Like, I reckon that a lot of people would say, oh, Coles and Woolworths don't want to be there. So why would I want to be there? But then when you look at it like a supply and demand and potential of market share, it's actually way less risk because he's the only operator. So he's got monopoly yep. on the market. So it just depends how you frame that and actually look at it to think about the risk. So I guess it's the way you actually frame and look at that to determine like the actual risk is realistically very low because when you have monopoly of the market, which is what you want, there's no big players going to come in. That's really the best scenario. Yeah, absolutely. It's fantastic for us and for him because the town doesn't lend itself to another supermarket, even a relatively small one. If anyone did their feasibility on it, they would quickly see that the town won't support two supermarkets. So you're just going to end up having two really struggling supermarkets and no one's going to come in and build a new one and open a new one to have it struggle from day one. So for us, mate, it's super secure. Like it's really low risk. The biggest risk for us was interest rate movements, right? But we have cash buffers and things like that in place. So it's not, it's not a massive deal. Like there's ways to mitigate that. 
this is exactly how I look at it with self-storage as well. Like I'm okay to go into smaller towns if the supply and demand is there and if there's kind of a moat around people coming into that market and you've realistically got a handle on being the only operator in town. Yeah. And if you start getting to a town, I'd say probably about three to 5,000 people in them, that's when you might start getting a Coles or a Woolies or another supermarket start to look at them and think, well, maybe we can steal half of that population. And then you probably could have two little supermarkets there, but they still wouldn't do fantastic you'd probably be able to just make them work. But yeah. when you're talking about a town, 2,000 people, it just doesn't stack up for anyone else to come in and compete. Yeah, wow. For self-storage, I look at it like I'd like to be around 20,000 because not everyone needs self-storage. So I have like a, a buffer of like, okay, well, only a percentage of them will actually use self-storage. But I guess everyone has to eat. Exactly. So, I mean, I don't know what your percentage is that you like to work on, but if it was 5 or 10% or whatever, you're on very similar numbers yeah. to what we're dealing with. But we've got 100% of the market, as you say. Yeah, that's awesome. How did the bank view buying into a more regional town? Because that can be quite difficult if it doesn't meet their population requirements as well. We didn't have too much trouble with that one, to be honest. I think they liked it because it was still pretty close to Woomba. There is a, n- a number of other supermarkets in towns around, but they're kind of the same size that we've got in smaller towns. But again, they're probably half an hour drive away. So people aren't really going to go and drive to shop at the IGA as opposed to the food works. But mate, in terms of their scope on it, they were fine on this deal. We've had a couple of others that have been a little bit too regional and they've probably been eight hours from Brisbane CBD and they just basically looked at the postcode and went, no, nah, don't like it. Even though the numbers were fantastic, they can't really understand it. But that one was a good one for us because they could wrap their heads around it. And on the next purchase, mate, if we went a little bit more regional, if we can show them that we're decent operators and now our businesses in those decent operators and we actually know what we're doing, they'll be a little bit more lenient to go again. And so with the actual property... Apart from firming up the lease into a great lease right now, what are the other value-add strategies that you saw for it or are you going to execute over the next years? Mate, to be honest, we're probably not going to do a lot with it because it's been purpose-built for a supermarket and it's only eight or 10 years old now. (laughs) Really good depreciation in it. (laughs) Yeah. It's very good. There's actually not too much we can do with it, but I'm fine with that in terms of our first big commercial purchase for us. It's good just to really get the understanding for yourself. It's nice being in the syndicates and seeing what they do, but it's always a different ball game when you're playing with a large sum of money and borrowed money and you're doing it all for yourself. So we wanted a pretty low risk sort of one to start with, mate, to wrap our heads around everything. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, very different story when you're in charge of everything when you're really (laughs) the last line of defense getting stuff done yeah we're going to paint the place outside for him as part of the lease and as i say we've got our own carpentry and painting business so we'll just trundle on down there mate and paint it ourselves in a week or something outside and just do some new line marking and things like that for him in the car park just to pretty it up and he's getting some new signs put up outside and doing a bit of a refurb inside in terms of signs and painting. So just cleaning it up, mate. Foodworks came to the party with him because of the new lease. So, you know, they help him out with signs and stuff like that. So is Foodworks, that's obviously a franchise, is it? Yep. Okay, great. So he's the franchisee. So there must be a franchise fee that he's paying them to use their branding. But I'd imagine like like with F45, the advertising and stuff would be done by the franchisor. Yes, So like all their catalogs and specials and all that sort of stuff, that all comes from Foodworks head office. And obviously when they're buying their stock, 
they get it at those discounted rates so they can sell it at the discounted rates. So that's how they keep a platform even across all of their supermarkets. That way they don't end up competing with the other food works down the road that's a bit cheaper because they don't have the same specials. That sounds fantastic. So, mate, in terms of other markets, where are you seeing opportunity right now? Like, where are you looking? Where are you liking? In the commercial space, to be honest, the next one I do will probably be another supermarket because I like them and I can understand them pretty well. Yeah. Where are they? I don't really care, to be honest, as long as it stacks up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I could do fun. Far north Queensland, western Queensland, I'd be happy to go into regional Victoria or something like that. But the yields are a little bit different wherever you go. The risks in the operators themselves are different. And obviously, the towns have their different upsides and downsides. So as long as I can make sense of it, mate, anywhere in the eastern states, I'd be open to. Yeah, wow. So in terms of the uh, refurbishments that you're doing, you're painting. So will you actually invoice the investment for the work that your company is going to do on it? Or is it just... Absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's free, mate. Nothing's free. Oh, that's fantastic. So, I mean, realistically, though, you're basically getting the uplift of doing all the refurbishments and for free and you're getting paid to do it and getting the value yeah. at the end of the day. Absolutely. So and there'll be a bit of depreciation there and things like that for the work. So yeah, it all works out pretty well. So it's pretty handy to have some coexisting trade that, you know, can do work on property when you're a property investor. It does work out. I just never did any of it in the residential space. Yeah, fantastic. So in terms of your investing journey, have you ever come across any major problems like huge damage that you had to deal with? You weren't able to pay back the repayments or things like that? Probably one of the worst things we had happen was one of the tenants ran into the side of a, a brick pillar on the side of the garage, sort of ruined a bit of brickwork on the side of the house. But at the end of the day, mate, we had building insurance and they sort of paid us out. We got a quote from a local brickie and he priced it up and it's the same thing, mate. We ran it through our company and sent a price into the insurance company and they paid. So it got fixed in a couple of weeks, but that's probably the one of the worst things we've had happen. We've been pretty lucky with the assets we've bought. We haven't had to chase a tenant at all for a rent default or bond, anything that's just been bond. It's just normal stuff, mate. We've never had a really massive setback yep. for us, which I'm lucky, mate. And looking around at some of the horror stories you see in that, it's, it's really sad what happens to some people and you're never in that position. And that's why you have your insurances and cash buffers in place, mate. So have you ever had any issues with flooding? Never bought anything in a flood zone. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty easy one to avoid to be honest yeah um, so don't buy, don't floods, buy in a flood zone and quiet. it won't flood yeah it's like the ads up here mate if it's flooded forget it oh is that is there ads in, in queensland saying that is <laughs> there it? is that's there funny. is it's just it's about people driving through flood waters yeah fair enough so if you had to say there's one skill or attribute that makes you a successful property investor what would you say it would be that's a good one. I'd probably say perseverance and tenacity, mate, I reckon. Don't let anyone tell you no. Just keep going. Keep pushing forward. Especially the bank. Especially the bank. I love them, but I hate them. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, they have to be uh, part of the deal, don't they? You know, the best actually way to do it is do it with cash, add value, and then finance the property. Because if yeah. you already own it, they're more likely to finance it and not say no. So that's really the best way. And then you drag all your capital out. You've got an infinite return and then you can go again. That's the real goal. Yeah, that'd be awesome, mate. But unfortunately, that's not how 99% of the world works. So yeah. everyone has to get used to dealing with banks and brokers. That's right. 
So what are the resources and other books and audio books that you've listened to over the years that have really got you to where you are today? To be honest, I haven't actually listened to that much around property in yep. terms of audio books. I don't really read books. I mean, I did when I was younger, but most of the books I do now are audio. I do more about like it's general money stuff. I just like hearing people's stories about, you know, how they got where they are. Similar to podcasts and things, mate, but I think books go a little bit more in depth on somebody's thoughts and things. And to be honest, mate, one of the things that I sort of spent the last couple of years working on is making sure I don't sort of get caught in a trap of doing stuff that I don't have to do for no reason other than money. So it's a big, big shift in mindset away from just doing whatever you can as a carpenter to to make a living to actually realizing that you've got a bit of wealth behind you now and you can have these choices in life. So is that in terms of not owning a business and working on the business rather than working in the business and being on the hamster wheel? Yeah, I mean, it can be that. To be honest, I think I'm a better property investor than I am business owner. I think it comes a lot more natural to me. It suits me a lot more personality-wise to do property. And I have a real passion for it, mate. I, I don't have that passion and same drive in terms of business. So I could easily see myself stepping away from a business altogether and focusing on on property. Now, that might involve friends and family doing things with me, or it could just be us, but I don't really have a desire to have a huge business or anything, mate. Yeah, fair enough. All right, mate. Well, today's been an absolutely awesome chat, and I'm sure we'll uh, see a lot more of you uh, on social media. Very active man on social media. I love it. Um, (laughs) I'll be around. (laughs) Today's guest has been Hayden West. Cheers, mate. Thanks, buddy. That's the end of another great show. I'd like to thank my guest today and Kevin McLeod for the music. Don't forget to check out my new website, www.andrewbean.com.au for all of the awesome new ways that I can help you with your commercial property journey. And remember, in the words of Grant Cardone, be obsessed or be average. I'm Andrew Bean, signing off. This has been a Developer Life production.